This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. We'll turn to the book of Matthew. We will start there as always because that is our foundational text. And as you are turning to Matthew chapter 5, I want to remind you of the title of this message. Again, this is just a part of a series of the Beatitudes, and my section is, I've entitled, Oh, What Peace We Often Forfeit, and I'm hoping to drive that home to you today, that we do not have to uh, forfeit the peace of God. We need the peace of God. To, uh, we need to be at peace. Number one, we need to be at peace with God, and that's through our acceptance and our uh, uh, accepting Christ as our Lord and Savior. We know that He has uh, um, turned that relationship around for us, uh, where we were once enemies of God because of Him and because of His sacrifice and our belief in that sacrifice. We no longer are enemies with God, so we need to be at peace with Him by accepting the Lord, uh, the Lord as our Lord and Savior. But then we need to be, have the peace of God. So we, we need to be at peace with God. But then we need the peace of God. And that peace of God means that simply that we can operate and we can function just the same no matter what goes on, no matter what goes on around us. We can have the peace of God. And we need to know how to live. And that's why I'm so grateful for this, this uh, series of messages because... As we've been also learning on Sundays, that we need to learn how to live in whatever time that we're in. And we need to learn how to live in the times that we are in right now. And that God is giving us the grace that we need to live in the time right now. We need to know how to live our faith. We need to know how. It's important that we live out our faith. In the time that we are in, no matter what goes on around us. It's important that we live out our faith as we navigate this system that we know that that is far from the standard of God. But us being believers and having to navigate in this system, because we live in this world, having to navigate this system, it's important that we stay on focus and stay on point with our faith, living out our faith without compromise without giving in to to the norm of society, without giving in to the changes of society. We have to stay the course with our faith. And it is only then, then and only then, can you have the peace of God. Listen, if you worry yourself and you try to do what everybody else is doing and you, you change according to what's going on, that, that in itself, you can listen to that and that sounds like chaos. That's just forever changing. That's just chaos. But the peace of God will cause you to be steady. When you're steady with God, steady with Him, you can have the peace of God throughout all of that. And so here in Matthew, and I'm not there yet, uh, here in Matthew chapter 5, we've been talking about the Beatitudes. So we're going to start reading again at verse one, Matthew five, verse one. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came into him. 
And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And we've talked about how these beatitudes are they're, they're the characteristics that God expects from all believers, from all Christian believers, those who are professing to be called of God, those who say that they are, 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 are saved and sanctified and filled with his Holy Ghost, those who say that they have been purchased with the precious blood of Jesus, those who are confessing to be the Lord, those who confess salvation and confess that Christ is Lord, these are the expectations, these are the characteristics that he, that Christ is expecting from those who have that profession. We said that we cannot change, we cannot choose, pick and choose which one of these that we're going to do and not do the others because all of these characteristics, not some, not one, but all of these characteristics are the expectation of God, the expectation of the character and how a Christian, how a believer should live their lives, how a believer should live their lives, again, despite the dispensation that you're in. Despite the times that you're in, Christ is saying that these are the characteristics that we all should have despite what goes on around us. Despite having to navigate this world system and, and we see all of the injustices and we see all of the things that are going on that are not right. But, but, but even though they're not right. Even though they're not right, we still have to operate, and God expects for us to still operate and to function based on his standard, not what society to say that we should be doing, not what our race say we should be doing, not what uh, this, this uh, uh, set of, of, of people say that we should be doing. None of those things matter. Only, only, only. The word of the Lord matters. In the end, that is the only thing that is going to matter. And in the end, and, and not even in the end, but even right now, even right now, if we do things according to the word of God, the blessing is in the obedience of the word. The blessing is in the obedience. The blessing now and the blessing to come is in the obedience of God's word. It's in the continuation of doing his word. It's in the continuation of living up to his standard, of, of, of living his standard, of, of, of uh, uh, making sure that we align our lives and align our actions, align our thoughts, align our deeds based on the standard, the very standard of God. And so as believers, that is what we are striving to do. So last week, 
we we uh, left off with blessed are the meek. So I uh, told you I was covering the verses, covering verses four through six, and we we went over uh, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. I told you uh, that 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 is is in a direct correlation to the first uh, beatitude, which is uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, the poor in spirit. So we said that uh, they that mourn ties in to the poor in spirit and the meek also tie into the uh, they that are blessed and uh, the poor in spirit. And then we're also going to see tonight that those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, it also flows into those other three. Those three are tied, I mean those four are tied together. They are tied together and we're going to see how that flows. So who is the meek? The meek. The meek. So we're starting at verse 5 because we covered verse 4. We're going to go on to verse 5. And we said the meek are the truly humble. It is those who are gentle. Those that have a proper appreciation of their position in Christ. They have a proper appreciation of their position in Christ. The meek is, uh, being, meekness is a humble attitude that expresses itself in patient endurance of offenses. Meekness, it expresses itself in patient endurance of offenses. Listen to that. Meekness is gentleness, which implies mercy and self-restraint. Meekness, it's gentleness which implies mercy and self-restraint. Remember this, I told you last week, remember this, that a meek person and a weak person are not the same. It's not the same. A weak person and a meek person, they are not the same. A weak person can't do anything. They can't do anything. They don't have the strength to do anything. They don't have the wherewithal to do anything. That's the weak. But the meek can do something. They can, but they choose not to. They can do something. They have the strength. They have the wherewithal. They can do something, but they choose not to. It is power. Meekness is power under control. Meekness is a virtue. I told you that it's a strength. It takes strength not to do something when you can't. That takes a lot of strength. To not do something when you can do something. That takes strength. And we said that meekness is a virtue. It's a strength that draws courage. Remember, courage is the ability, uh, uh, the, the ability to move on, or to move past a circumstance in pursuit of what God's will is. That's courage. When you... Uh, move on when you have the ability to move on or it's the movement courage is the movement past circumstances whatever the circumstance is in pursuit of God and his will so it takes courage to step out on faith and do something that God has called you to why that's having the ability or the movement past your circumstances which your circumstances could be that you don't think that you're good enough. Your circumstance could be uh, uh, that you are, uh, are, are just not a verbal person, that you know, you're, you're an introvert. 
that, that could be your weakness. That could be something that hinders you from moving past that and doing in pursuit of what God wills and what God has for you to do. It takes courage to do that. It also takes courage to be meek. It takes courage to do that. Uh, again, moving past the circumstances, meaning this is something I can do something about. I can say something. I can do something. But I'm going to move past that because I'm in pursuit of the will of God. Because God wills that I be meek. That's his will, that I be meek. Listen, sometimes we have to not say something. We have to be silent. Sometimes we have to say, uh, 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 answer softly. That's being meek. Answering softly. Or not saying anything at all. Being silent. And it takes strength to do that. It takes strength to move past that circumstance. Right now, this, that circumstance of me wanting to say something. I'm in this. I'm, some, this person is, is, is really just on my tail about this. They are on my back about this. And it's for righteousness sake. It's for righteousness sake. They don't like what I said. They don't like what I did. They, they don't like it. And in this time, I could say something. In this time, I would like to say something. In this time, I would like to do something. But it's the will of God. It's the will of God. So I got to move past that. It's the will of God that I say nothing. Or it's the will of God that I answer softly. That's meekness. And it takes strength to do that. I said that meekness, it, it, it not only draws courage from God. But it also draws conviction of God. It draws conviction from God. Because again, God will convict us. He will convict us in, in certain situations. In certain, certain, now you know you're not the Holy Ghost. Now you know you shouldn't do that. You know you shouldn't do that. That is not the standard of God. So it takes courage and, and that conviction, that meekness, it draws, it draws conviction from God. It also draws disposition. Meekness draws disposition. That's your placement where God wants you to be. You have to, meekness draws disposition from God. It draws placement from God. Where you think and you think you should be in one place, somebody else think you should be in another place, but no, I'm going to stay where God has placed me. I'm going to stay, I'm going to be where God has placed me. I told you, the world, the world celebrates and encourages pride. The world celebrates and encourages pride. It encourages assertiveness. You got to assert yourself. People don't run all over. You got to assert yourself. That's what the world says. The world celebrates and encourages the powerful. Remember I said that last week. What good is power and having power if you can't exercise it? What good is it if you can't exercise it? Well, we're going to see tonight from God, Christ himself. Christ himself. The power. He had the power to do. He had the power to do, but he did not. And so we have to, he is our example. We have to follow his example. The least admired character quality in America is meekness. That is the least admired character quality in America. It's meekness. Because people consider meekness, society consider meekness, America considers meekness 
to be weak. They consider meekness to be weak. So we can't let other nations see meekness. We can't let people in our nation see weakness. See meekness because they will say that it is weakness. But God encourages. God, he encourages, he celebrates, and he exalts and rewards the meek and the humble. We're talking about the standard of God. Remember I told you uh, time and time again I've said that this is not, this, these messages, this is not for the weak. This is not for those who want to play church. This is not, this is not for those people. These, are for, these messages are for believers who have the intent to do God's will, who desire, who hunger and thirst after righteousness. That's, that's who these messages are for. You have to want to. You have to have that desire to. Because again, this world and this world system, and in partic- particularly when we have things going on in our society that we saw in 2020, that, was, that became very evident in 2020. Things that were just right there in our face. It's at those particular times, particularly at those particular times, when the character of Christ must be lived out loud. It must be. Our faith must be lived out loud. And meekness and humbleness is part of that character. And again, God encourages and God celebrates and God exalts and rewards the meek and the humble. Turn to Psalms 37. Psalms 37. And we're going to go through quite a few scriptures tonight, so bear with me, but... This is just all to bear out God's word, and I don't want you to. We just want you to be safe. It's safe. It's safe in in Scripture. Following the Scriptures is safe. So we're going to do just that tonight. Psalms 37. And we'll start reading uh, at verse 1. It says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger. And forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. So here we see right here that we need to be meek. It is God's desire that we are meek, particularly in, in, the, in the sight and when things go on. When things go on around us, we have to commit our way. We have to delight ourselves in the law of the Lord. 
delight ourselves in, not in the way society says that we should handle things. We have to delight ourselves in the law of the Lord. We have to commit our ways to him. That means that whatever his standard is, that's what I've taken on. I'm going to commit those ways to him. He shall bring forth our righteousness as the light. When we obey him, he shall bring forth. That's what the scripture says. And we only, all we're doing is reading the scriptures. That's all that we're doing. It says to rest in him. I'm going to trust. My faith is in Christ. I'm going to trust in him. Therefore, I'm going to rest. I'm going to rest. I have found peace. Just, just because I have decided that I'm going to do things God's way, I have found peace within. Peace with God and peace within. So I'm going to rest in the Lord. I'm going to wait patiently for Him. I'm not going to fret. I'm not going to fret because of what I see around me. I see, you know, it looks like these people are prospering. It looks like they're getting away with this and, and, and they're getting away with that. But it says right here to rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Listen, the scripture tells us that vengeance is mine, said the Lord. Vengeance is mine, said the Lord, and he can do far greater damage. He can, whatever he can do, it can cause men to repent. What we do, what we do outside the standard of God will not cause men to repent. Why? It's going to cause us to go tit for tat, back and forth, tit for tat. Nobody is a winner in that. But when God handles it, let God handle it. Let God handle it. It says that rest in him and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger. See, those times that we can be angry, those times that we probably should be angry, those times that that lends itself to anger. It says what? It says to cease from anger and forsake wrath, Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Why? Because when you lend yourself, when you uh, allow yourself in to, to, to dwell in anger, when you allow yourself to dwell in wrath, it will lead to evil doing. It will lead to evil doing. That's why we have to guard our hearts from that. That's why we have to press and we have to push. We have to push past courage, meekness. We have to push past that circumstance. We have to push past those emotions so that we can go for it, so we can pursue, in pursuit of the will of God. That takes strength to do. That takes courage to do. And that takes strength to do. Let's look at this in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. And we're going to start reading at verse Matthew 11. Let's start reading at verse 28. Matthew 11 and 28. And the scripture reads, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Those who are heavy laden, those who are burdened, those who mourn, those who are poor in spirit, those who are heavy laden, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest 
unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Oh, what peace we often forfeit when we do not go unto him, when we do not take our cares to him. When we labor and we are heavy laden and we don't go to God, he will give us rest. He says right here that he will give us rest when we come unto him. Commit thy ways. That means, listen, Lord, I am doing this your way and I'm, in, I'm trusting in you. I'm trusting you that you are going to fulfill your word. I believe that. It might look, I don't care what it looks like right now. I don't care what it looks, I don't care what it sounds like right now. I don't care if it looks like they are winning. I don't care if it looks like they are getting away with murder. I don't care what it looks like. I'm going to commit my way to you. This is heavy on me. It's weighing heavy on my heart. But I am going to bring it to you. Because you will give me rest. I will find peace in you. I will find peace. In you, So to the heavy laden, he will give rest. He is admonishing. Here he is admonishing you to take his yoke. What is his yoke? His yoke is his burden. Remember I said last week that sometimes our circumstances, it causes us not to keep our eyes focused on what God is doing. When he says, take my yoke, he says, stay focused on what I'm doing. His yoke. His yoke is the burden of people. It's the, it's the burden of, of, of having people saved. It's the burden of, of getting people to, to uh, turn to him. That's where our focus should be. That's where our focus should be. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. That's taking God's yoke upon us. That's, that's what he's burdened with. That's what he's burdened with. He says, look, I want you to exchange all of this that's going on around you, all of these temporal things that are going on around you, all of these things that, yes, I understand that they might be hurtful, but let me take care of He said, let me take care of that. I need you to take care of this. Remember I told you this system, this system is going to be what it is. And God does not, he don't care about the system of this world. He could care less about the system. What he wants is the people who are operating the system. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. The people who are operating the system. The people who are setting the standards for the society. That's what he, he needs their hearts. He says, that's what I need you to focus on. Focus on the people. Don't focus on what they're doing. I need you to focus on them. Focus on them, their hearts, their spirits. I need you to focus on them. I need you to see them as I see them. I need you to see them as I see them. And how does he see them? We've been learning, we've been hearing, we've been learning about that. That he is the world. He died, he came to save the the people in the world. That's what he came for. The world, the people in the world. That's what he came for. For that's why he died. That should be our focus. That has to be our focus. That has to be our focus. So we need to learn how to deal, how he dealt with. This is how Christ dealt with the things of this world. That's how he dealt with it. He dealt with the people. And he was meek and lowly in heart when he did it, when he did it. So we have to follow that. Follow that. If you follow that, then you shall find rest for your soul. 
You shall find rest for your soul when you follow his standard, his way. So while we're so busy being preoccupied and distracted and busy with the cares of this world, involving, listen, involving ourselves in ways that have not been orchestrated or instructed by God, then that's when we forfeit our peace. That's what, listen, I'm not telling you that you cannot be involved with things that go on. This is how we all take. You should vote. We're not telling you that, that that's a distraction, that voting is a distraction. We're not telling you that. We're telling you, we are telling you that don't, don't do what you're supposed to do. Do what you're supposed to do to help affect some change. Do what you're supposed to do. But understand that change comes from God. That even our voting, even in the way that we vote and the things that we do uh, according to that, that it's not going to always go the way that people think that it should go. So we still have to have the peace of God. That's why we, have, we, can't involve, we can't overly involve ourselves in ways that have not been orchestrated by God. That's why that's important. You need to catch that. We cannot involve ourselves in ways that have not been orchestrated and instructed by God. Because when we do, we forfeit our peace. We forfeit our peace. Listen, in the days of provocation, in the days of provocation, Meaning something that provokes you, something that arouses you. In those days, those days when, when your emotions are stimulated because of, of, of whatever that, that's going on, because of whatever, because of circumstances, things that are just going on around you. In those days when you are enticed to anger, in those days when you are stirred up or pricked in your heart, you must be able to control your emotions. That's being meek. You have to be able to control your emotions. You can't be inflamed by it because it will lead to evil doing. You cannot be inflamed by it because it will lead to evil doing. Remember I told you uh, just a little while ago that sometimes you must be silent. Sometimes you must return a soft answer. That's what is required of us at times. You must be cool when others are running a hot head. You got to stay cool. You got to keep your cool when others are running a hot head. In patience, you must control your own soul, your own thoughts, your own emotions. In patience, you have to do that. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The meek are those who quietly submit themselves over to God. They quietly submit themselves over. Remember, God, God, he, he wants a meek and a quiet spirit. A meek and a quiet spirit. That is what he encourages. A meek and a quiet spirit. That's what he rewards is a meek and a quiet spirit. So the meek are those who quietly submit themselves over to God, to his word, to following his directions, and complying with his way, his standard. And they are gentle towards all men. Let's look at this in Titus. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. And let's read, start reading at verse 11. And the scripture reads... Whose mouths must be stopped. Oh, we can't start there. Verse 10. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially the, especially 
they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subverted whole houses, teaching things which thou art not for filth. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm reading in the wrong. I'm sorry. Chapter 2, verse 11. No wonder. Verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. There it is right there. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Teaching us the grace, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation. And then what those graces, remember those graces? That's the fruit of the Spirit. Those graces that brings about the fruit of the Spirit. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for the blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, which, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. See, there it is. There it is right there. He says we to allow the grace of God, allow the grace of God that is brought with salvation. We have to allow that to teach us. We have to allow that grace to teach us. We have to allow that grace to teach us in denying ungodliness. In denying ungodliness and worldly lust. Those things, again, those things that we could easily fall into because it's just right there. Because everybody else is doing it. That, you know, that those things that we, we, we could jump on the bandwagon and do. It says that we should live, but we have to live soberly. We have to live righteously. We have to live godly in this present world. In any circumstances that this world, that we encounter in this world, we still have to live soberly. We have to live righteously. We have to live godly in this present state. That is what God requires of us. Look at this in, 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 in chapter 3. Let's go down and jump down to chapter 3. Verse 1, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to, for, to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers lusts, lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of, our, of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. He shed it up on us abundantly through Jesus Christ. And we have to live according to that standard, that same, very same standard. We have to live according to that. That's what God requires of us. It's not always easy, but that is what God requires of us. And if we obey that, 
then we shall eat the good of the land. If we obey that, we shall not forfeit our peace. If we obey that, in the end, we shall see God. That's the bottom line. In the end, we shall see God. The blessing now for the meek is that there is comfort and there is peace within. That's the blessing now for the meek. Remember we said that, that, that all of these beatitudes, they're, they're, there's something for now and there's something for later. That's coming later. But for right now, the blessing now for the meek is that there is comfort and there is peace within. The meek, they are fit for any relation and any condition. The meek, they are fit for any relation and any condition. They are fit to live and they are fit to die. They're fit to live. And they are fit to die. They are delighted in the abundance of peace now. They're delighted in the abundance of peace now. And they shall inherit the earth later. That's how good our God is. Look at this in Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. I don't know about you, but this is, this is exciting to me because... Again, just knowing, just knowing, just the, the mere fact that, that we have the peace of God when we do things His way. That's an assurance. You know, again, I, I told you before that, you know, it's one thing if, if, you, if, if I'm telling you something, but this is not me telling. This is straight from the Scripture. Straight from the And if God said it, it shall come to pass. He's going to do. The Word can only do what it was designed to do. It's not going to return to Him void. Proverbs chapter 2. Look at verse 21. It says, For the upright shall dwell in the land, and the perfect shall remain in it. But the wicked shall be cut off from the earth, and the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. See, this is talking about in the end, right? When, 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 when Christ returns, and we know that the kingdom of heaven is going to be set up here in this space. It's going to be set up here in this space. And it says, it says what? That the wicked shall be cut off from it. <laughs> the wicked shall be cut off from it. But the way of those who remain in him, those who remain in him, we shall remain on the earth. We shall inherit the land. <laughs> we shall inherit the land. Look at this in Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. God is a good God. Romans 4, let's look at verse 13. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. The promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. The promise that Abraham would be heir of the world to inherit the earth was given to him because of faith. It was not promised to him because he was doing the law or through him because of the law. Those who have righteousness placed on their account through faith, will inherit the land or the earth through faith. And our faith is our belief, is our trust, is our reliance, is our rest in God, is our committing our ways to the Lord. Faith requires us to entrust ourselves. It requires for us to entrust ourselves in the Lord's hands. 
faith requires that we entrust ourselves in the Lord's hands, not doing our own thing, not doing what we think should be done, not doing what we that, that what society tells us that we should be doing. It is faith is requires us to entrust ourselves in the Lord's hands, humbling ourselves, being meek in the face of persecution and suffering for the sake and the cause of Christ. And remember, we told you. Before when we were reading uh, uh, the Beatitudes and we get down towards the end of it, it says that persecution shall come. Persecution will come. Because I told you, all of these Beatitudes, the world, they, they could care less about that. They look down on that. They look down on it. But if we, and we will, first pers- we will face persecution for it. We're going to face perse- persecution for it. So if you have not faced persecution, if you don't face persecution, then you have to ask yourself, Am I in the character and the conduct of Christ? Am I following in his character and in his conduct? Inheriting the earth, it refers to the time when the kingdom will be established here on earth when Christ returns. In particular, Christ will inherit the earth. But when we are found in him, when we are found in him, we being in him, we will be joint heirs with him in inheriting the land. Look at this in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And let's look at verse 23. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. And the scripture reads, oh, you know, we can't start there. Verse 19. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it? When ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently. But if, when you do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow his steps. We should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was God found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. He committed himself to God, who judges righteously. And he was meek, and he was humble all the way to the cross. He was meek, and he was humble all the way to the cross. And he entrusted himself to the one who judges righteously. We have to have that same mind of Christ. That we have to entrust our ways to him. We have to do his will. And we have to entrust ourselves to the one who judges righteously. You must trust that God is a just God. And that his word declares that vengeance is his. He is a God of righteousness. And through meekness, others can see the work and the goodness of the Lord. Through meekness, others can see the work and the goodness of the Lord, which can draw them to repentance. <laughs> turning that soft word. They see that. You, I said you be, either you be silent or you turn a soft word. Through meekness, others can see the work and the goodness of the Lord, which can draw them to repentance. We must agree with God's way and we must obey it. We must follow the path of Christ. Christ humbled himself. He willingly subjected himself to cruel punishment. Willingly 
subjected himself to cruel punishment and to what was considered the cruelest crucifixion. That was considered the cruelest form of capital punishment. Crucifixion was. The Jews considered death on the cross to be a curse from God. The Jews, they considered death on the cross to be a curse from God. And the Romans, they reserved death on the cross, crucifixion, for slaves and for foreigners. They reserved it for slaves and for foreigners. We have to obey and we have to agree. When we said those are the two, those are are the, the two principles that are at work. We have to agree with God's word and we have to obey God's word. Why? So that we can be rewarded and our lives can be crowned with peace. <laughs> oh, what peace we often forfeit when we do not do it God's way. Oh, what peace we often forfeit when we don't take it to the Lord in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit when we do things our own way. But blessed is he. Blessed is the man who is weak, who is meek. For he shall inherit the earth. Verse, uh, go back to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5. See, this is not, this is not a message that makes you, you know, want to jump up and, you know, some people, they, you know, it's not, it's not one of those kind of messages. You're telling me to do something that, you know, my flesh is like, I don't know if I really want to do that. You mean, uh, what do you mean? Exactly what do you mean when you say a soft word? What? How soft? When you say silent, I mean, do you really mean, I'm not supposed to say nothing? I mean, really? That's what you expect for me to do. See, that, again, this is not, this is not for the weak. This is for those, this message is for those who want to do things God's way. Their heart's desire is to do things God's way. That's their heart's desire. Which leads us into Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So, we have to understand that the Godhead alone is righteous. The Godhead alone is righteous. But we can have righteousness through the faith of Christ being found in him. That which is of God is righteousness. That which is of God is righteousness. So in order for us to be righteous and to do righteousness, we have to do things, again, according to God's way. That which is of God is righteousness. Hungering and thirsting after righteousness. This is having a spiritual appetite. Oh, again, this is, this is, again, this is for the serious. We have to have a spiritual appetite, a continuing desire for personal righteousness, a desire for personal righteousness. It is desiring what satisfies a person's spirit as yet, I told this is yet another component of being poor in spirit and one who mourns, being meek, and you have to hunger and thirst after righteousness. If you are hungering and thirsting after righteousness, that's at the very top of your appetite. So he's using hunger and thirst because that's, one, that's a natural thing that we, we all have in common. And that's at the top of our list. We want to eat. We want to eat. And we get thirsty. And that's, that's all of us. 
So he's using this very natural connection to plainly speak about that deep, the deepest craving, the deepest craving after spiritual blessings, that deepest craving after spiritual blessings above anything and everything else. See, when it's time to eat, we get, my, my, my grandmother used to call it hainty. You get hainty. Because you're hungry, you can't think straight, can't do nothing. I can't do nothing, I can't talk to you, I can't even talk to you right now until I eat. Let me get something to eat and then I will be in a better disposition to talk to you. That's the way, that's the way he wants us to be when it comes to right, uh, being uh, uh, thirsting and hungering after righteousness. Listen, I can't talk to you right now until, until I get some righteousness. I need to go before the Lord. I need some word. I need to contemplate this word. I need to think about that. I need to go and spend time with the Spirit of God. I can't talk to you right now. Let me do that first. Because I don't want to say nothing. I don't want to do anything that's going to be outside of what God is commanding, what God, of what God's standard is. I don't want to do anything uh, out from among that. I don't want to do anything against that. See, that's the desire that we have to have. That's the hunger that we have to have. I don't want to do anything. I just want to please the Lord in all that I do, in all that I say, in all of my deeds. I just want to please the Lord. I don't want to please my flesh. I don't want to please what my, uh, mom and dad. I don't want to please what people think that I should do. I don't want to do any of that. I want to please the Lord. It is desiring righteousness, also desiring righteousness in this world that we must navigate where there is no fear of God, nor there's a, is there a regard for men. We have to desire righteousness in this world, through the people of this world. We want God's righteousness in this world because we're trying to navigate this system. We're trying to navigate this system, and there is no fear of God. And that's difficult to do when I'm trying to do the will of God. I'm trying to do things according to the will of God, but then I have all of this. I have all these, I have all these things facing me. I have all these things facing me. Because I can't get away from it. I'm in the world. I'm not going to be able to get away from it. I need to be able to navigate. This is the point where you are enjoying your salvation in God's favor. <laughs> Hungering and thirsting. This is the place where you are enjoying. Your, listen, if you are not enjoying your salvation, something is wrong. You, got to, you need to check your heart. If you are not enjoying your salvation, enjoying the benefits of God's grace in your life because of salvation, if you're not enjoying the benefits of Him speaking to you, if you're not enjoying the benefit of His correction, see, again, you, that's something that you have to, because God, I know if you're correcting me, because I'm hungry and thirsting after your righteousness. So I know that if you're correcting me, you're trying to get me that righteousness that I'm, trying, that I'm seeking after. You're trying to get it to me. And that is where we need to be. It's desiring righteousness in this world. Desiring it. There is no place. This is the place where, where you, in your mind you consider there is no place that I would rather be than in upright and in right standing with God. There's no place that I would rather be. Nothing I would rather be doing. Than upright, than in his up, than, than, than being upright and in right standing with God. And because of it, I allow the Holy Spirit to do the work in me. Because of it, I allow the Holy Spirit to transform me. Because of it, I allow the Word to renew my mind. Uh, because of it, because I'm searching, I'm seeking after His righteousness. I'm seeking after it. That's all I want, is to be, in up, to be upright. 
and in right standing with God. Psalms 24. Let's look at Psalms 24. Psalms 24. Let's start reading in verse 3. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him. That seek thy face, O Jacob, say la. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Say la. Think on this. Think on this. He says, he shall receive the blessing. Verse 5. He shall receive the blessing, which is the righteousness, the spiritual blessing from the Lord. Those who desire uprightness and being in right standing with God, meaning that they desire, that they, they desire clean hands and a pure heart, they shall be filled. They shall be filled. Those that seek his face, his very presence. See, that's, that, that's the king of glory. We're talking about his very presence. When you seek his presence, when you seek his face, you shall find him. Those that lift up their heads and their hearts to God, desiring the righteousness of the Lord, they shall be filled. The king of glory will come in. <laughs> when you desire righteousness, when you desire clean hands and a pure heart, when you desire righteousness, and you lift up your heads and your hearts to God, the King of glory will come in. He will come in. Come in where? He will come into your heart to rule and to reign by His Spirit. That's the presence of the living God. The presence of the living God. Listen, we were all at the point of salvation when we realized that we needed Him. Remember, the poor in spirit. Those who mourn. When, when we were at that place, when we realized that we needed God, we lifted up our heads. And he did come in. He did come in. But then guess what? We have to continue to lift up our heads. We have to continue. You got to continue in his uprightness. You have to continue in his right standing. You have to continue to desire for clean hands and a pure heart. You have to continue to desire his righteousness. And when you do, you will lift up your head. And you will lift up your heart to God. And when you do that, he shall come in. He shall be in your midst. You will see the manifestation of the glory of God in your life. You shall see it. Righteousness. Righteousness. The scripture tells us that that righteousness is a part of the fruit. It's a part of the fruit. The fruit of righteousness. Chastisement brings about the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Allowing the Lord to chastise our lives. To help discipline our lives. Again, 
This is not, this is for those who are serious. This is for those who are serious about God. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's look at verse 18. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. Um, verse 17. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. As we continue to desire and to seek righteousness through continuing in his word, we are constantly being transfigured, constantly being transfigured and transformed into the image of God, allowing his word to change us. We are constantly being transfigured when we hear his word, when we obey his word, we are constantly being transfigured, being transformed into the image of God, in the increasing glory of his presence. We get more and more of him. He gives us more from one degree of glory to another. From one degree of glory to another. More of him. We say, and we sing things off. We need more of you, Lord. He says, well, if you need more of me, I need you to seek after my righteousness. I need you to seek it. Not talk about it. I need you to seek it. See, that's, 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 that's a difference. We, we might sing about it. Because after the song, is gone, I need you to take that song to heart. And then I need you to put it into practice. I need you to put some actions with it. I need you to seek me. Really seek me. I need you to bow down before me. That's what I need for you to do. Then I can take you from glory to glory. I can give you more of me. My increasing glory, my increasing presence with you. From glory to glory. I got two minutes. Go to Revelation chapter 7. So we can see here the peace of God. Allowing the peace of God. Allowing uh, our, our righteousness, our seeking, our searching for righteousness. If we consume, if my souls are consumed, uh, write down uh, Psalms chapter uh, 119. Psalms 119 and verse 20. I want you to go and, and look at that. Uh, and actually, you can read a whole lot more than that, that just verse, but that one verse. My soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times. We have to be consumed with longing for his laws, longing for his precepts, longing for his ways at all times. That has to be what we long for. With everything within us, we should long for the judgments of God. That is his binding law and his judicial decision. The judge upholds the law. He upholds the law. And his decisions are final. And that is what we have to be consumed with. Revelations chapter 7. Finally, and finally, this is what we have to look forward to. Revelations chapter Seven. 
Let's start reading at verse 14. Revelation 7 and 14. And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation. Talking about us. And have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Those who are called and have accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. And they live accordingly. Therefore are they before the throne of God. And serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them. And shall lead them into living fountains of waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. This is what we have to look forward to in the end. If we would keep our faith, keep our faith, keep our trust in the Holy One, entrusting ourselves to do things God's way, to keep his character and his conduct, to keep these beatitudes, to keep everything, desire, above all, desiring him and him alone. This is what we have to look forward to. That he will wipe away. We shall sit and be in front of him, the very throne. And he shall wipe away every tear, everything that you were consumed about, everything you were pouring spirit about, everything that you mourned about, everything that you had to be meek about. <laughs> he will wipe away all of those tears. He said, just all I need for you to do is just stay with me. Just stay with me. Just do according to uh, what I have planned for you and I shall give you rest. Oh, what a rest that is. Oh, what a rest. What a rest that is. God is so faithful. He is a faithful, a faithful God. We have more teachings. We do have more teachings on the Beatitudes. So I'm encouraging you to stay tuned. Stay tuned because, again, this is just a piece of it. This is just a piece of it. But all of these things put together, all of these things put together is what is going to cause us to stand before God and be filled and be comforted like no other. Ultimate, the ultimate comfort, the ultimate fulfilling, the ultimate feeling he's going to. And he said at the end, I shall wipe away all your tears. Amen. God is so faithful. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.